It's 835, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. We start off today's program like we start off every program with three big things. Hey, a very special note. Um, I'm joined in the studio today by uh, a woman who is a, a reporter from a very large Japanese newspaper who's here from Los Angeles. And we're actually going to be talking to her a little bit later on. She wants to find out what Americans think about Donald Trump. And we're going to be discussing that probably in the 10 o'clock hour of the program. I want to give you a chance because um, she is telling me people in Japan very, very interested in hearing about the reaction that we in America are having to the president. So we'll probably do that in the 10 o'clock hour. Stick around. All right. We start off today's program, like I say, with three big things. The overwhelming story today is, of course, for the second time in a couple weeks, it appears that the United States is in the crosshairs of a major hurricane. Hurricane Irma, still in the Caribbean, but already responsible for a couple dozen deaths. It is bearing down on the state of Florida. Now, it's still, again, too early to tell where exactly it might hit. Um, At some point in time, Hurricane Irma, which is in the Caribbean, is going to make what they call a right turn. And if it makes a right turn before it gets to Florida, it's going to go up the East Coast. On the other hand, uh, most of the projections now suggest that Florida is in line for a direct hit. There are orders um, that are already in place for evacuation of the Florida Keys. Um, The NFL game between Miami and Tampa has been delayed. A number of people are trying to get out of the area. Uh, The problem is there's just not a lot of available airplane space anymore. Uh, in many areas of South Florida, th- there's no gasoline. I mean, people have, have completely filled up with gasoline. It's not a question of price gouging. It's just that there's no gasoline available, and people are making decisions as to whether to get out or not. I was talking to Gene and Jane. I, I played in a uh, golf outing yesterday afternoon, and I was talking to a number of people who have family and friends who are in Florida in general, and in South Florida in particular. And and we were just discussing what what they are doing. As a general rule, most of the people I was talking to, their relatives were trying to figure out, hey, we're we're, we're going somewhere. And matter of fact, a couple people were telling me, we got calls from our parents or whatever who said, oh, by the way, we're coming back to Wisconsin and we're going to be staying with you for a few days. So I, I know this is causing a huge, huge amount of consternation with not just the people that live there, but the people who who live here. And we do this from time to time on the program when there are, I think, matters of general community interest. Now, you might say, well, Jeff, okay, what, how does, who who cares if a hurricane hits South Florida? Well, beyond just the, you you don't want to see the devastation. Well, I, I think, you know, given how many of us know people who have places in Florida or have relatives or family who live in Florida, I think it is a matter of common interest, and it affects us on a very real basis. So what I wanted to do is open up the phone lines um, to start off the program. How is Hurricane Irma impacting you? Do you have family? Do you have friends in Florida? What preparations are they making? What are you encouraging them to do? How concerned are you? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, What what, what does this mean to you? What does it mean to your family? Do you have relatives that are down there? Are you concerned about this? What are they going to do? What do you want to see them do? Because unfortunately, you know, one of the things now is for people who, who want to get out, it's more and more difficult to do that. Like I say, gasoline shortages, can't find seats on airplanes. 
How is this impacting you and your family? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Bob in Franklin. Bob, you're first. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, we're, my wife and I are transplants from Miami. We spent most of our adult lives down there. and uh, A job opportunity brought me to the Milwaukee area. And we have daughters. I have a sister. Uh, and, and I'm beyond concerned. I'm scared mm-hmm. to death. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? What are, what are your what, relatives going to do? Well, they're going to hunker down, apparently. I, I told them that, you know, we, uh, we could accommodate them if they wanted to, wanted to get out of Dodge, so to speak. Uh, but I, I'm afraid, you know, I told them that two or three days ago. Now I'm afraid uh, it, uh, moving up the road is probably not prudent. Right, because at this point in time, my guess is even if they were able to get gasoline and things like that, it, it's probably very just diff- My guess is the roads are clogged with all those different things. Yeah, they've, they've, uh, I saw the governor, Governor Scott, uh, yesterday on the Weather Channel. And by the way, all of our televisions for the past three days in our house have been on the Weather Channel. I mean, <laughs> sure. My wife, my wife is overwrought. Uh, but uh, they've eliminated tolls and they've done a lot of things to expedite travels, but I, I just don't know if. If this thing is uh, is of such intensity that it's far beyond, beyond Andrew, and we lived there during Andrew, right? It just it frightens me to death. Well, I think um, obviously our hopes and prayers are with everybody, everybody in Florida, and certainly everybody who has family and friends there. Hey, thanks for the call. I hope it works out. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How is Hurricane Irma impacting you? It is obviously the big story of the day. Do you have family and friends down in Florida? What are they doing? What would you like to see them do? We continue the conversation next. It's eight forty one. This is Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. It's 845, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It may be the biggest series of the season for the Brewers if they hope to win the National League Central Division title. Brewers and Cubs from Wrigley Field in a three-game weekend set. Our coverage of Game 1 begins tomorrow night at 630. You can hear it right here on WTMJ. Yeah, the, the overriding story right now is, of course, Hurricane Irma, which right now it stands as a Category 5 hurricane, um, which is about as bad as it can get bearing down on South Florida. Now, again, we don't know ultimately what's going to happen. They're, they're looking at you know, some type of landfall over the weekend. It is still possible that the hurricane can veer off and head up the East Coast. But regardless of where it hits, it's going to create a lot of damage. Unlike Hurricane Harvey, which hit Houston two weeks ago, this this is more like your tradition. It's a mammoth hurricane, incredibly huge winds, but it, it doesn't look like it's going to have the prolonged rainfall. One of the things that made Hurricane Harvey so devastating was the fact that it just stayed in place and, of course, poured 30 and 40 inches of rain on, on Houston and on Galveston and on Corpus Christi, and you had the, the huge flooding problems. You know, in this particular hurricane, they say it's fast moving. Now, it's going to be causing incredible devastation when it ultimately ends up making landfall, but it is then going to move on in a, in a quick fashion. But that, of course, doesn't help the people who are, you know, perhaps in the, the eye of this hurricane or looking down uh, again, looking through the crosshairs as the hurricane is coming towards them. Uh, part of the problem 
with living in Florida is this is one of the things that you experience and this is one of the risks. So for everybody down there who has family and friends, if they're now at a point where you really can't get out, you just have to hope for the very, very best and hope that people make preparations. And as we often see in these hurricane situations, you see the best and the worst of people. You see that the folks who are helping their neighbors. You see the folks who are going out of their way to make sure if you've got somebody that, that's elderly that lives next door to you or somebody that's ill, they're making sure that you know those people you know get the assistance they need. And then, of course, you see the other things. You see the people getting in fights at Home Depot over plywood and things like that. Hopefully, this will appeal to the better angels of our nature. And we will, of course, continue to discuss and bring you all the latest news as Hurricane Irma makes its way towards uh, Florida. All right. Big story number two. And this is one that I, I know I'm not sure people are going to know how to react. President Trump is, of course, an extremely controversial figure. There's no question about that. President Trump has been unable, since he took office, to do anything which would appease people on the other side of the aisle. He has been, it doesn't matter what he does, he's got no Democratic support at all for anything. President Trump has also kind of been his own man. He has routinely lashed out at Democrats for refusing to support his policies, but he's had no hesitation in also criticizing Republicans who, again, don't back him as enthusiastically as he wants as he carves out his own agenda. So here's what happens yesterday. And I'm really curious as to your response to this. Um, The U.S. government is about to run out of of money. Um, Once the fiscal year ends... The government is out of money. There is not a new budget. Now, when we say the government is out of money, that's sort of a misnomer because there are provisions that continue to keep basic services operating. What typically happens when we've had these government shutdowns is federal employees get sent home, and then once you get the money that's put in, they get to come back, and they go back to work, and they get all the money that they supposedly didn't make. They get that back to them. But So you're looking at potentially another government shutdown. What Republicans have wanted to do is they have wanted to resolve that this budget crisis. They've been wanting they want to get this done so we don't have a situation where every couple of months we're faced with the government running out of money. So yesterday, uh, Paul Ryan, my friend, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell and other Republicans, they thought the president was on board with them. The plan was, let's try to hold people's feet to the fire. Let's get this done by the end of the month so we don't have all these things hanging fire. Let's get the budget done. So President Trump schedules what a lot of people thought was going to be a photo op in the White House. You had the Republican leaders. You had the Democratic leaders that were there. The Republican leaders ended up being completely and totally blindsided when President Trump announces that he has cut a deal with his friends, Chuck and Nancy. That would be Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic leader in the House, and Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader in the Senate. He's cut a deal to, again, extend the debt limit, continue funding the government for three more months until the end of the year. Now, as part of that, you would also get relief, the extra money going into FEMA for hurricane relief for the oncoming Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey. But Paul Ryan, earlier that day, had a matter of fact said, hey, look, I I think the idea of just a continuing resolution, you know, 
just kicking the can down the road is a bad idea. It's a non-starter. And apparently President Trump blindsided his Republican colleagues by making this announcement. Now, on the one hand, we've been told all along that we want to have bipartisanship. We want to see a president who can make a deal and reach across the aisle. Um, At the same time, Many, many people think that, all right, Donald Trump, what he has done by doing this is he's really cut the legs out from under Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, and the Republicans, because now he's saying, okay, if if you're not going to give me exactly what I want, I'm going to go to the Democrats, and I'm going to make a deal, and I'm going to do it without telling you. All right, now, since President Trump took office, we have taken many, 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 many phone calls from people who love the way that the president stands up to the Democrats and the left. We've also taken many phone calls from people who absolutely despise the president because, hey, he's this conservative ideologue. He's not willing to be bipartisan. All right, he's now apparently, without the knowledge of the Republicans in Congress, made a deal with the Democrats. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this an example of President Trump being presidential, bipartisan, reaching across the aisle to get stuff done? Or is this just an example of somebody who, I don't know, is just a loose cannon rolling around the deck waiting to see when he is going to go off? Did he ultimately hurt the Republicans, and did he hurt his agenda by what he did yesterday? I will tell you, if you looked at the faces of some of the Republicans in this meeting, they were absolutely stunned. They did not see this coming from a Republican president. 414-799-1620. Did Trump do the right thing by reaching out to the Democrats and cutting this deal? And what does this mean moving forward? 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is big thing number two. It's 853. This is Jeff Wagner. Look. It's 855. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Let's see. Dan sends me a text. Trump is a pragmatic deal maker. One fear has been that while the never Trump crowd laughed as they obstructed Trump, Trump would be pushed to the middle or left and cut a deal with the Democrats. That's sort of what he ended up doing yesterday without really giving any notice at all to the Republicans. I mean, if I'm Paul Ryan, I'm saying with friends like this, who needs enemies? Paul and Kerry. Paul, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. It's just frustrating when this president and this Congress was elected to make changes for the overall system to kick it down the the can you know to kick the can down down the street is just ridiculous. I understand where the Secret Service is running out of money, but that has to do with all the trips and all the coverage for him and his family going to Florida and everywhere else. So I understand where he's running out of money for his Secret Service and all his trips. But I think what he did yesterday was really repressive and bad for the American people. Well, I, I see, I agree with you. Look, I understand he wants to make a deal. I get the idea that, you know, you want to make sure there's money that's in the budget for hurricane relief for the people in Texas and Florida. But it seems to me now is the opportunity to do that. Now is where you have the leverage. Hey, we need this money right now. And you Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, you're going to obstruct the budget when we need all this money. This is where you had the leverage. You kick this down the road three months you lose any leverage that you have. That's what was so insane about this to me. Agreed. I I just, you know, I just do not understand. Thanks for the call. And and again, look, I'm all in favor of bipartisanship. I, I think... 
I think it has been appalling that you've had, whether it's in Wisconsin or whether it's you know nationwide in the federal level, that you have essentially Democrats in this particular case who have dug in. They've said, okay, there's nothing that Donald Trump can do that, that we like. Now, the reality is I understand he is a polarizing figure, but there's been no effort by Democrats to cross the aisle over the, the aisle at all. Now you have a scenario where you, you have a budget. We've got to get a budget done. You need major reform. This was an opportunity to do that. That's what Paul Ryan was talking about. He saw the fact that now you've got a little bit of leverage here. Now we can get this done. Nobody is saying that you shouldn't have hurricane relief. Of course, we all want to see that. This is the opportunity to do it. You roll this into the budget. You get these things done. By kicking the can down the road three months with another continuing resolution, you've guaranteed it's going to be an even bigger mess because at the end of the year, you're going to have all sorts of other things that end up getting rolled into this beyond just the simple economics of it. I think Donald Trump, very, very short-sighted. I understand this is the pragmatic deal-maker, but this is a guy who has undercut the people that he ultimately needs to get his agenda done, and that is something extremely unfortunate. All right, a big announcement from the world of politics coming up in just a couple minutes. We continue with our three big things right after the news. You want to be listening to the start of the newscast, though. It is 8.59. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 9.08. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. We're going to do something a little bit different during the 10 o'clock hour. As I said at the start of the program, um, I am joined in the studio today by a reporter from one of the three largest newspapers in Japan. Um, They're very curious as to what Americans think about President Trump. And she has some specific questions. We're going to talk a little bit about that and get some of your input on some of these questions. We want to help We want to help give some insight to people across the world as to how we are viewing what is going on in the United States. We're going to do that during the 10 o'clock hour. Right now, we're at big thing number three. The the budget is getting closer to being done. Now, in Wisconsin, the state budget was supposed to be completed by July 1st. As we know, even though there is overwhelming Republican control in both the Assembly and the state Senate, what's been happening is they have not been able to reach an agreement And the one thing that has really hung stuff up has been the state transportation budget. There are some people who think what we need to do is we need to raise registration fees. We need to raise the gasoline tax that has not been raised for a number of years. The governor said, look, I didn't get elected to raise taxes. The governor had originally wanted to continue with road building projects, but he wanted to borrow money to do that. As I have said regularly, Borrowing money in and of itself is not a bad thing. Nobody would be able to own a home if if it weren't for, or most people wouldn't be able to own a home if it weren't for the ability to borrow money. The problem is when you borrow too much money and the borrowing becomes, you know, unreasonable and unrealistic. But in any event, this has been the hang-up. Do you increase taxes or do you borrow or do you delay road projects? Well, what happened um, in the Joint Finance Committee yesterday is essentially they agreed to increase some taxes. The idea being if you drive an electric car or a hybrid car, you will have to pay a higher registration fee. But that's that's just that's peanuts in the big picture. Um, what they also agreed to do was some borrowing to continue to keep projects online on track. 
And then perhaps the most controversial aspect of what came out of the Joint Finance Committee yesterday is there was an agreement that certain projects would be delayed, in particular two projects which are of key importance to southeast Wisconsin. One would be the the zoo interchange. Um, and what the Joint Finance Committee essentially said that they would do is that they would no longer, they're going to delay the north leg of the zoo interchange. So they're going to complete a lot of what's going on now out there, but they're going to delay work on the zoo interchange, the north part. But here's, here's the thing that really is controversial. They have essentially agreed that they are going to put on the back burner expanding the freeway, expanding I-94 from the Marquette Interchange out to the zoo interchange. If you have ever driven that stretch of traffic when there's either been a collision or there's been bad weather, what you know is the backups, it becomes almost impassable. The plan that the DOT had been working on for the longest time was to add extra lanes to that to, uh, again, help facilitate the movement of vehicles. So what we have now is we have the zoo interchange that's going to be completed. We have the work on um, the north-south freeway from the Kenosha County line up through Milwaukee County. That's going to be completed. But then you're going to have what appears to be this bottleneck between downtown and the zoo interchange, and that's essentially off the table. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I, for one, have said for the longest time, I don't have a problem with borrowing in order to keep, again, these projects online. But there is there is a philosophical difference among people, and there, there's no Democratic support for anything because people don't want to vote. Democrats don't want to vote for anything that might help make Scott Walker look good. But but here's the bottom line. The decision that comes out yesterday essentially says we are not going to expand the freeway between downtown and the zoo. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In all honesty, I think that decision is incredibly short-sighted. It makes no sense to me to expand, uh, again, do the freeway work to the west of the zoo and around the zoo interchange so cars can move through that quicker, to do the work, again, north-south so cars coming up from Illinois can move quicker, but then have this bottleneck between the Marquette Interchange and out to the zoo. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think, unfortunately... Just like what happened in Washington, and this is where it all ties in, this is what happened in Washington yesterday with the debt limit. All we've done is kick the can down the road. And candidly, I, I think people in southeastern Wisconsin are going to suffer from it. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Julie and Rubicon. Julie, you're first. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think? I just do not understand, and for the first time I have emailed so many of the state senators and representatives I view the gasoline tax as a user fee. People from out of state pay it. People who use our roads the most pay it. And that could fund the expansion. I just don't understand the conservatives who absolutely will not consider raising the gasoline tax. Do you think do you think the general public is with you at let's say I mean the gasoline tax like right, it's around 32 cents is off the top of my head um, and it's been there for years do you think the general public would be with you on this or would this I be do. viewed as a tax increase No I well one I live in Dodge County right outside of Washington very Republican very conservative talk to a lot of my friends and neighbors they are on board with me I have a brother in Madison 
<laughs> very much on the other side of things. He's in agreement, along with a number of his friends. So I view it as a bipartisan thing mm-hmm. that, again, it's a user fee. Those who use our roads end up paying. How do you, you feel? Know, about, how do you feel about the high, the added tax for the hybrids and the electric cars? That I'm in favor of. Yeah. I have no problem with that. I do not want to see an increase in registration overall because that would affect the elderly. But I just those who use the road should be paying for it. And with hybrids, yes, they get better gas mileage. So giving them a little added flat fee. I'm okay with that. Okay, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. Now, again, I, I, see, I see this as two issues. First issue is, does it make sense to delay the project? My answer to that is no. I, it just really isn't. I, I'm very disappointed that that, is, that section and that argument is off the table, that that needs to get done. I guess number two, the question then becomes, how do you pay for it? And I understand there's the consternation. I don't think continued borrowing, I don't think we're close to an unreasonable level of added debt to try to get that done. But uh, again, uh, as far as, as a tax, I'm not convinced that there's not enough money to get that done by the time you start cutting stuff out of the Department of Transportation. But regardless, I think it is unfortunate that we have punted the ball when it comes to dealing with this choice. Um, Brian in Milwaukee. Brian, you're six, on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I agree with Scott Walk- Walker. We should borrow to get this done because if you kick if we delay this project anymore, um, you, you had this topic on the show before, costs go up in yeah. price. Um, it, you delay it six months a year. Um, construction workers get costly. I got a small business. You know, the price for material is going to go up. So we're going to be dealing with that now, a year down the road. Oh, oh yeah, you right. It, thing, things aren't going to get cheaper. <laughs> I mean, there's, exactly. there, there's no question about it, whether it's, you know, making home improvements or, you know, building a house or whatever, things are going to go up. And by delaying something that we we're, the bottom line is, Brian, we're going to have to do this. I mean, anybody who's driven that stretch of road, I think, knows that you're, you're at some point in time, you are going to have to expand it. So why delay something that you know is going to need to be done sooner rather than later? Exactly. No, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. On our text line, Justin text, the Wisconsin legislature has once again kicked the can down the road, doing absolutely nothing to solve the long-term transportation funding problems. Not only do we need I-94 in the zoo north as soon as possible, but eventually four lanes throughout Milwaukee County freeways. That's never going to happen if we maintain status quo funding. So that, of course, you know, is one of the issues that ends up out there. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Wally in Oak Creek. Wally, good morning. Good morning. I've got two points. First one comes from advice from even people in Los Angeles who have five-lane freeways. If you widen a freeway, you only widen the traffic jam. And number two, there's only two lanes going through the stadium interchange. How are you going to widen it without reconstructing the entire Interchange. Well, what they're going to do is, I mean, they're going. Thanks to call. I mean, what they're going to do is, they're going to. They are. They're going to widen the interchange. They're going to add lanes. The lanes are going to end up being more narrow. I mean, the Department of Transportation has the, this plan that they have rolled out for it, and it's a plan that I, I think they they ultimately continue to enact. Now, look, I understand there is also a political reality to this. Um, that that expansion is extremely controversial. You have people that live along the freeway that don't want to see the they don't want the added cars. They argue that it's going to be too much noise. They've been fighting even the modest plans that the Department of Transportation has to try to widen the freeway. And the truth of the matter is, 
um, there would be, and there ultimately will be, various legal challenges. And so I know one of the thinking, the, the things that people are thinking is, look, let, let's get the stuff, let's get the easy stuff done. Why, why commit money right now to something that's going to be tied up in the courts? Let's just get some of the easy stuff done. Let's get the low-hanging fruit done. And I appreciate that there is a certain value to that. But at the same time, sooner or later, this has got to be done. The sooner it's done, I think the better it's going to be. And I think this was something extremely, extremely disappointing. Now, having said that, there was something very positive that came out of the Joint Finance Committee yesterday. It has to do with something called prevailing wage. We will talk about that next. It's 918. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Eddie Lacy returns to Lambeau, this time as a Seahawk. Watch the Packers take on Seattle. Your next chance to win happens tomorrow morning at 710 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Follow the Packers, presented by West Bend, the Silver Lining, and 620 WTMJ. At Lynch McGuanago, we respect hardworking men and women. But get your hands dirty, do it yourself, get her done tight. And this month, we're honoring hardworking men and women with unbelievable truck and SUV pricing that proves nobody sells for less. At Lynch, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and McGuanago, get $15,000 in total savings on a 2017 Ram 1500 SLT Bighorn or 0% financing for 75 months. Or how about a 2017 Jeep Cherokee for only $21,944 after discounts and rebates or get 0% financing for 75 Five months, or drive it away with lease payments of only two twenty nine per month. A massive selection from a family dealer that knows it's your hard work that makes America great. We're easy to find just off I-43. View our complete inventory at lynchmaguanago.com. Don't miss truck and SUV pricing that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that nobody sells for less than Lynch. This is Patrick Lynch. You do the driving, we'll do the listening, because I want you to love how you feel in your new ride. Nobody sells for less than Lynch. Credit 36 monthly, 10,000 miles per year, 34 Tough jobs demand tough equipment. Bobcat loaders from Bobcat Plus answer the challenge for those tough jobs, like the new M-Series loaders. More power, more performance, more comfort. There's a Bobcat loader that's perfect for your job, but don't just take my word for it. Hey guys, Larry McCarran here. Check out the compact construction experts at Bobcat Plus, and let their specialists show you the starting lineup of Bobcat equipment. Visit Bobcat Plus in Butler, Appleton, DePere, or Chippewa Falls. Bobcat Plus, working the state of Wisconsin, one customer at a time. Start your next trip with a stress-free ride to Mitchell or O'Hare airports with a Go Rightway airport shuttle. Go Rightway with the door-to-door airport shuttle service. Visit GoRightway.com today to book or quote the first and last parts of your next trip. Go Rightway. Since 1933, Aaron's has been putting snow in its place. Built to take on winter, Aaron's is the king of snow. Available at Olson Outdoor Power Equipment on College Avenue in Muskego. Your authorized Aaron's dealer. Visit Olson'sPower.com for the full line of Aaron's machines. Wagner 620 WTMJ so very glad to have you with us now that the Congress now that the president has given Congress six months to act on DACA several large private companies have stepped forward in support of working towards a permanent immigration fix could this be a game changer when it comes to immigration reform Scafidi and Bill Stad explore today at 1235 um, also 
nine o'clock news. You, you heard it here. Uh, State Senator Leah Vukmir announcing that she was going to throw her proverbial hat into the ring. She is running for the Republican nomination. There's one other candidate who's announced thus far. My guess is there'll be others. We had that candidate, Kevin Nicholson, on the air. Uh, Leah is going to join Scafidian Billstad at 12.07 today, and she'll be with me 8.35 tomorrow morning. Um, we're going to talk about what the issues are why she thinks she's the best person to represent the Republican Party, and why she thinks she has the best chance of beating Tammy Baldwin. That'll be coming up at 8.35 tomorrow. All right. There is – one of the things that came out of the Joint Finance Committee yesterday was a, a recommendation that essentially what remains of the prevailing wage law be repealed. Prevailing wage is – uh, it, it goes back decades and decades and decades. What prevailing wage says is that when when you are bidding, when there is a government project that is being bid, the wage rate that has to be paid to the workers has to be what is the prevailing wage in a particular area. Now, how do you figure out what the prevailing wage is? And this is always one of the problems. What they do every year is they survey various employers and they say, okay, what are you paying? What are you paying a bricklayer? What are you paying a mason? All those things. Um, Typically, the response rate is about 10 to 15 percent. So most people don't even bother filling out these forms. So the whole idea of prevailing wage, it gets skewed in the beginning because you you don't know. If only 10% of the people who are performing a particular type of service respond and say what they are paying their employees, the numbers are always going to be screwed up. You don't know. What about the other 90%? But in any event, then prevailing wage says, all right, you've got to pay for a government project. You have to pay the employees what the prevailing wage is in the area. Now, here's where it gets really, really odd. Let's say that you've got a company um, that, that puts down uh, – that, that, does, that does driveways, just for the sake of argument. They, they do driveways. Um, and they do work for government projects, and they do work for you know personal, for homeowners. That, that's, that's the whole nature. Sometimes it's public business. Sometimes it's private business. All right. Um, I want so I contact that company and I say, hey, I, I need a new driveway put in, and they understand what it is that you know they're competing against other companies. So they say, okay, Jeff, here's the deal. It's going to cost you two thousand dollars to have this driveway put in. Okay, fine. All right. Then, however, they're bidding on putting in the same type of driveway, except it's going to be on a government project because of prevailing wage. What could happen is the driveway using the same people, the driveway that they're putting in for me that costs $2,000 could cost the taxpayers $10,000 because of prevailing wage. Same workers, same materials, but simply because of the prevailing wage law, what it means is the taxpayers end up paying more. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, the, the people say, hey, if you do away with the prevailing wage law, what you're going to do is you're going to get shoddy workmanship. You're going to get all these people who are going to come in and they're going to do the lowball contracts and you're going to spend, it's going to, this is going to be a waste of, of money. What we need to do is we need to continue to pay money to these different contractors to make sure there is a quality. Well, I've never bought that. 
I mean, I don't think that you should go to the lowest bidder. Never made that argument. But at the same time, I mean, there's all sorts of people who can do quality work without necessarily paying the most money. If you are replacing the roof on your house, what you're going to do is you're going to get a series of bids. You're not necessarily going to go with the lowest bidder because you want value. You want somebody who's going to do the job for a fair price but going to do a good job. That doesn't mean you're going to go with the highest bidder. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go with the lowest bidder. It means you're going to go with somebody in between. The government has not operated like that. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is controversial. It's being viewed and being portrayed as, oh, this is another blow against you know working men and women in the state of Wisconsin. To me, this just makes sense. It's way past time for prevailing wage to go. 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 926. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 928, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. One of the good things that came out of the Joint Finance Committee yesterday was doing away with prevailing wage. I, I think, obviously, to me, you want you want government jobs done. You want public sector jobs done at fair prices, but not overpaying. Mary in Wauwatosa. Mary, on 620 WTMJ, good morning. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Love Mary. Show. Thank you. All the time. Thank you funny that you were talking about this as I'm listening as I'm driving into work because just yesterday a lady in my office comes in and she says, well, did you guys have any thoughts and recommendations on windows? So they need to do all windows in their house. Got two estimates. Quite extreme differences. One estimate was $10,000. One was $26,000. I think we'll get a couple more. I mean, you know, you don't want to, like you say, go. and, And actually, like she said, the one, she was turned off enough by them because they were pushing her to try to close the deal right then and there, and she's thinking, she says to herself, saying, well, wouldn't they think I would at least for a job like that ask for or look at a couple estimates at least? Right. And uh, so, yeah. Right. So, well, no, and so. again, again, I mean, thanks. I mean, I, I'm not arguing that you, you go with the cheapest with the cheapest vendor. I, I, I'm not suggesting that at all. But to me, to me, when I realized what really struck me, as, as understanding why I think prevailing wage was such an antiquated law was when I started talking to people who work at companies that work in both the private and the public sector. They do the same work, same materials, same people doing the work. And the bids that they make when they're working on private jobs are almost always substantially less than when they're making them on public jobs because they know when they're bidding in the private sector, what they have to do is they have to compete with other people. When they're bidding in the public sector, when you've got prevailing wage, there's no... There's no competitive motivation. And so, I mean, that's always been my argument when people say, well, well, look, you're going to get shoddy work if you don't pay prevailing wage. No, no, I I don't think you are. Now, if you've got bad contractors, well, then I don't care whether it's prevailing wage or not. If you've got bad contractors, well, you you know, or people who are, you know, underbidding these type of jobs and then can't deliver, well, don't give them the contracts. I mean, I'm not arguing we should do shoddy wage. It's just, to me, prevailing wage. Wage is a way of artificially inflating the cost of public projects. And face it, I mean, tax dollars, maybe, maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago when there wasn't as much, we weren't as good stewards of taxpayer dollars, but that whole dynamic has changed. Okay, coming up next, 
What do we do about Americans in North Korea? Stick around. It's 9.36. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Once again, Leah Vukmir, who's announced that she's running for state Senate, uh, state Senate, U.S. Senate against Tammy Baldwin. She's the second announced Republican candidate. She'll be with Scafidi and Billstad at 12.07. And then Leah, who and I, who go back a long way, she's going to join me at 8.35 tomorrow morning. We're going to talk about all that. Coming up in about a half hour, I'm sort of excited. As I was saying at the beginning of the show, um, I, I'm joined today in the studio by a reporter from one of the largest uh, newspapers in Jap- Japan. She's based out of Los Angeles, and she's very, very curious about what Americans think about President Trump, and we're going to be talking to her, and actually, I'm, I'm going to ask you to give her a little bit of feedback, um, so we're going to be doing that in about a half hour or so. As we continue the countdown to kickoff of the 2017 Packers season, John McCure is joined by radio analyst Larry McCarran again this year. Don't miss The Rock's first appearance on Wisconsin's Afternoon News at 3.20 today, and a number of people have been asking me whether um, the, the Monday morning quarterback feature continues with Wayne Larrabee and and it does so um, we'll have our first Monday morning quarterback session at 8.30 on Monday following what we hope is a big Packers victory over the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. Now I was asking Jane those questions because there was a story actually it was on Fox 6 yesterday that that really caught my attention and I one of the things that has bothered me over time is not it's not just the fact that crime is spreading that bothers me a lot in the city that I grew up in. It's also that the, the, the crime, the criminals are becoming more and more bold. So here's the story as it was report, reported on um, Fox 6. West Dallas' father is on a mission to find his daughter's car that was stolen as she was standing just, in, just inches away from pumping gas. Okay, um, young woman, brand new Toyota. What happens is um, on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, so this is broad daylight. We are not talking about 2 o'clock in the morning. We're talking about broad daylight Tuesday afternoon. The uh, young woman, she's 21 years old, she goes to a speedway near 84th and Hampton. Now, I have to tell you, I don't necessarily think of 84th and Hampton as being a particularly bad area of, of town. So it's the middle of the afternoon. She stops again at this Speedway gas station. So she's outside of her car. She's she's putting gas in. Um, this is the story continues. The 21-year-old woman noticed a group of people pull up behind her. So a car pulls in as she is there filling up her car. As the pump stopped, she left her keys in the ignition while she removed the nozzle. At that point in time. A guy jumped in her car, started it, and started to take off. Um, the young woman, I, she said, the, the woman says the man appeared to be in his 20s. He drove away in the car. And then dad finds out about this, and, you know, dad is, you know, trying to uh, direct and try to find out what happened. Dad says, I was like a junkyard dog. Um, so he apparently uh, posted this on social media, asking people for help. Um, one Facebook user directed him to a particular residence where a home security camera captured four people carrying items from a white car to um, the guy's daughter's car. 
Um, at that point in time, by the time we got there, they switched cars, left another stolen car there, which the police department had towed, and police are searching for their suspects. So this dad, you know, isn't, I mean, he's not taking this lying down. You know, he's trying to find the people. But clearly what you have is you have this, this ring of people who are going around looking for what I would call targets of opportunity, moving in, they're, they're stealing the cars, and then they're using them presumably to commit other crimes, and then they're abandoning them, and, and it's an ongoing thing. But I guess what struck me about this story was, number one, the location, number two, the time, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, and I guess perhaps most importantly, the brazenness of the criminals. Here you have a woman pulls up, young woman pulls up at the self-service gas station, gasoline pump. You know, she's out of the car, and she apparently left her keys in the ignition, and, you know, she's filling it up with gas. Somebody comes up, drives up, notices this, gets out of the car, and in a matter of seconds, the car is gone. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I have two takeaways from this. First of all, as sad as it is, I guess in today's world, you can't do what what we typically do. We all have to be, my dear friend Jane Matinere, where you 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 can't leave the car unattended. You you can't leave the key in the ignition, even if you are standing next to the car. You have to. You can't. If you're a lady, you can't leave your purse in the car. Um, maybe you even need to lock the car door for that couple seconds. You know when you get out, because even if you are standing next to the car, the crime problem is so bad in Tom Barrett's Milwaukee that you're going to be robbed of the car in just a matter of seconds. I mean, this is. You know, during the winter, we, we talk about how people go out in their driveways and they leave their car running to warm up for a couple seconds and how you have roving bands of criminals that are coming around and will steal it in a matter of moments. This is the next step. This woman was standing next to the car in the middle of the afternoon when this happened. So obviously, I guess the first takeaway is, all right, you, you just... You, you can't do you can't do anything like that. You have to presumably keep the keys with you at all times. Keep that door locked. Now, who knows that they wouldn't have jumped her and robbed her and you know, beaten her and taken her purse in the first place. So you don't know that that would have even prevented it. But I guess you create a target of opportunity by leaving the car unlocked even for a matter of seconds. That's story number one. That's takeaway number one. But takeaway number two, and this is the larger and to me much more frustrating thing. It is incredible to me that crime is this bad, that really you can't stop at a gas station on 84th and Hampton, get out of the car for just a couple seconds in the middle of the afternoon without having your car stolen. Now, you can argue about whether the woman should have taken the keys out of the ignition of her car or not, and I guess in retrospect, obviously, yes. But, I mean, really, have we gotten to the point in the city of Milwaukee where it's unsafe to get out of your car for even a couple seconds, even if you're standing next to the car, and leave the keys in the ignition. 414-799-1620. And what does that tell you? For Whenever I do these topics, I, I, I get some hostile um, emails from you know some people associated with the city saying, you're suggesting that the city is unsafe. Well, yeah. I, I guess I guess I am suggesting that the city is unsafe, you know, especially for women traveling alone if they're doing things like trying to put gasoline in their car. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I mean, really, this is a major public safety crisis, and it, it's got to be a priority for the mayor, 
and for the common council and for the police chief and for every elected judge in Milwaukee County to realize that the criminals are winning and we've got to take back the streets. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Jason in St. Francis. Jason, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. What do you think? Uh, You know, I think that we need to come up with much harsher penalties than we have both in the county, and I think we need to be backed up by the state legislature. This is ridiculous. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. Every single day you hear of another situation where someone's getting held up by gunpoint, even if you have your keys. So it, it doesn't really matter. Well, well, right. Well, exactly. I mean, thanks. I mean, you know, in this particular case, I mean, obviously, this young woman, you know, driving a relatively newer car, you know, provided a, a target of opportunity. And you sit back and you look at the story and you say, well, she, she should have taken the keys out of the ignition of the car. But all right. Even if we accept that, I'm not sure that makes it any difference. I mean, even if she had taken the keys out of her car shut the door, done what Jane says she does, had her purse with her, clutching her purse as she puts gasoline in the car. What's to say that, you know, one of these thugs wouldn't have just knocked her down and taken her purse and driven off anyways? 414-799-1620. Incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Amber in Milwaukee. Amber, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. My note says, uh, you know the you know the gal that had this happen to her. Yep, that's my younger sister. Oh my gosh! Mm. How um, how, how is it, first of all is she okay? She is okay. Um, she did try to fight with the man, um, but he ended up pushing her out of the car. She doesn't have any injuries, um, but she's okay. She's a very shaken up still, though. Well, un- under I mean, understandably, I mean, it's got to be uh, this story is just mind boggling to me, Amber. Middle of the afternoon, filling up your car with gasoline, and in a matter of seconds, your your car is stolen. Yes, I know. It's it's frustrating, and I'm 23 myself, and I mean, I have a two and a half year old, and for that to happen that quick, I mean. It's it's not safe. It's not safe anymore. I mean, I, I assume this just completely surprised your sister. She had she had no she had she had no idea when she pulls in to get gas that there's any possibility that something like this would happen. Nope. And she was standing right in the driver door, and she was cleaning out her car. And the man jumped in from the passenger side, and she felt her car move. She turned around, and she, you know, threw her hands up, and she yelled, "Hey, what are you doing?" And tried to fight him for the steering wheel, um, and he oh. pushed her out and. So we've been posting on Facebook. Um, we've had people calling with tips. So everybody's very, they have eyes open. So well, I we're, thought, we're, we're thankful. Well, I thought your dad's reaction was very interesting, that he, he just wasn't going to take this lying down. He, he was going to be very aggressive in trying to find out who did this to his daughter. He is. Um, my daughter, were, or my sister worked very hard on getting that car for herself. And at 21 years old, you know, she's going to school to be an EMT and, She's trying really hard to better her life, and for this to happen, it's it's really sad. Well, and it's also, as I was saying earlier, Amber, it, it's also it, it's the brazenness of the criminals. I mean, this was mm-hmm. this was the middle of the afternoon on Tuesday, right? I mean, so it's it's who who thinks when you pull into a self service gas station in the mm-hmm. middle of the afternoon in broad daylight that you're going to yep. have something like this happen to you? I hear you, and you know now they attempted another carjacking, and it's nine thirty in the morning. I mean, they just don't rest. 
Um, no, and, and I guess and and again on, on the one hand you say well uh, you know you have to be vigilant and I guess that's mm-hmm. true and it's a learning lesson for everybody. But at the same time, what does it say about a community where a single woman in the middle of the afternoon you know can't pump gas at a self service gas station without fear that she's going to be carjacked? I mean, I it's it's scary. It's a scary situation, and she was on her way to school and. You know, she didn't think something like this would happen. I mean, she was standing right in her door. Well, I guess, again, the, the good the, the good news, the silver lining in this very dark cloud is the fact that she wasn't injured. Because, you know, yeah. who, who knows, I guess who knows what could have happened. Well, good luck trying to get the car back, Amber. I mean that sincerely. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Okay, thanks for the call. That's uh, Amber, who's the sister of the woman who got carjacked. We'll be back with more in just a minute. It's 949. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 9.53, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, we have a text. Maybe it's time to bring back the gas station attendant. Somebody else can pump the gas, and you can stay safely in your car. I know it will never happen. Well, you, you just, you, you do wonder. Of course, one of the reasons we got rid of gas station attendants was people wanted to pump their own gasoline, and they wanted the lower prices. You wonder if that's going to be something that, that people end up needing to do. Terry in Milwaukee. Terry, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think? Uh, you know, like I say, I'm I don't I don't allow my wife to pump her gas anymore. I uh tell her I'll just put gas in it for her. But not mm-hmm. saying that I couldn't have my car yeah. gas either. But, you know, I I grew up in the city of Milwaukee and when I was growing up, you know what, my my main fear was my parents. And mm-hmm. Oh what, did you, you know, do something wrong and then you'd have to go home and mom and dad would find out about it? Yeah, not that they'd find out about it. They would whoop my butt. <laughs> so I, I fear that. So, and I think that's something that that the world and got away from. And I don't understand that because right, right now I run a youth program, uh, where it's a sports program. But uh, I just I used to work for the state in, in youth corrections, and I seen these kids coming through the through the um, through the system. Because they just run rampant. Yep. Their parents, you know, they don't have any guidance. Right. So, you know, so I started to take six-year-olds, and I've been doing this for five years. Now i got a bunch of kids that I didn't came, that came up through my sports program still playing basketball for me, and they don't get in trouble. Right. That's it. You need, you need the direction. Oh, thank, thank, thanks for calling. And unfortunately, I mean, look, I don't – I'm not smart enough to know how you, you – cure all the social ills that lead to these problems. But but I do know that you can't have a city where 21-year-old women can't get out of their cars in the middle of the afternoon and put gas in their car without fear that they are going to be carjacked. I mean, I, I, I do know that. And, and unfortunately... While we, we talk about like building a downtown streetcar and those things, we are we're, we're really fiddling while the city is figuratively speaking burning. Here's what Jan writes: When I moved to Milwaukee 21 years ago, there were things I began doing. I removed my keys, I locked my car doors, wear my purse, never keep anything of value in the car, and always lock my residence. Yeah, I mean those are things. And look, I'm the one I acknowledge. I I poo pooed the authorities when they originally said, "Hey, it's 10 degrees below. You, you can't go out and le- let your car run in your drive." way and warm up. I was saying that's an that, that's an irresponsible response 
you know, get the criminals off the street. Well, I, I, I've now I, I've come to conclude that because there are just so many criminals driving around for tar- looking for targets of opportunity. And Terry is right. I mean, I, I mean, th- these vandals, I, I think they are picking on women as opposed to men. Now, that's not to say that a guy can't be carjacked. And Lord knows there's enough of that that happens. But how many of these stories do we hear where it's the, the single woman who's getting out of her car and she's doing this? I mean, can you just imagine this? And again, we're we're tearing up the streets of Milwaukee and building a, a streetcar and talking about coming out with a budget that threatens to uh, eliminate 84 police positions. Wow. All right, it is 9.56. When we come back, as I've been saying all morning, um, I've been joined all morning in the studio by a reporter for one of the largest newspapers in Japan. We're going to, uh, she's got some questions, and we're, we're going to talk to her, and uh, we want some feedback from you about about the president. So stick around. That is all coming up. It's 9.57. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 10.08, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Um, Just as a matter of policy, I almost never do interviews. And and the reason behind that is because I I typically, I have three and a half hours a day, five days a week to share my thoughts. So uh, anything I want to say to people, I I have an opportunity. If if I want to talk to you, I have an opportunity to do that, you know, uh, 17 and a half hours a week. Um, So that's number one. And number two, I, I almost... We get requests all the time from people who, whether it's reporters or TV stations or whatever, who want to come in and sit in and film and uh, during the show. And I almost never say yes to that either for for a variety of reasons. But I made an exception to that today because this is a very, very in- intriguing situation. A couple of weeks ago, um, I, the uh, a, a mainstream newspaper out of Japan reached out and said, hey, we, we've got a correspondent. We'd like to have the correspondent come to Milwaukee, and um, we're fascinated by what's going on with President Trump. We want to find out what people in the Midwest feel about President Trump. And it was so very intriguing that I, I unhesitatingly said yes. And I've been joined in the studio all day by Ms. Hiromi Nagano, who represents it's, – is it Mainichi? Okay, you got you turn on your button, and you're on the air. Mainichi? Uh, means every day in Japanese. We publish paper twice a day. Okay, twice a day. Three and a half million subscribers and the oldest the oldest newspaper yeah. in Japan. Uh-huh. Since 1872. You pull the microphone just a little bit closer to you. So, okay, okay you can actually here. My producer will come in and he'll set you up there. So, this you were telling me this is the first time you've been in a this is the first time you've been in a radio studio. Yes, I've never visited the radio station. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Oh, you're 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 very welcome. Now you are uh, you you've been with the paper for a number of years, but uh, based out of Los Angeles now for the last couple of years. Yeah, two and a half years. So I cover the elections. Okay, mm-hmm. um, would it be fair to say that that your readership, people in mm-hmm. Japan, are fascinated by what is going on in the United States yeah, now? People really wants to read about the news from the uh, U.S. So it's ma- one of the most popular news. Okay. Yeah, about especially about Trump issues. Uh, espe- President, President Trump. President Trump. Yes. Uh, okay. Now I know I, I you know you and I are going to talk about this, but I also I, I wanted to give you the opportunity to get some feedback from some of our audience, and I I, I know one of the things that you've been monitoring uh, again from your perspective mm-hmm. as a reporter is that um, President Trump. Um, has has historically low mm-hmm. approval ratings in the mm-hmm. polls, if you believe them right now. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the same time, that there's lots of people who support President Trump. So mm-hmm. you you are what curious as to how how people are reacting to him, what people think of him. Two hundred days into the administration. 
Yeah, uh, because I live in Los Angeles, so I have seen a lot of protests going on in Los Angeles, and also I see a news from New York, Washington, D.C. Right. So I know that many people hate or anti-Trump, but right. at the same time, I have been interviewing people in the Midwest and the other places, and uh, many people expect to see changes. So I, I believe that the people elected him because people want to see change. Right. So my question is what, well, it's since uh, seven almost seven months after he took office. So I want to know what people expect, expect him and what the, do the people and, think about Right. How, how do you, how do they, are they happy with the job he's doing, essentially? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, uh, I interviewed people in Ohio last month, and people still happy with that, uh, what he's doing. But uh, uh, people said that uh, because of uh, mainstream media reported uh, right. anti-Trump things, so it seems to be he is very unpopular, but people still expect him. I tell you what, let's open up the phone lines. Our numbers are 414 our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, this is... Again, something a little bit different for this morning, but it, it's your opportunity to, uh, again, um, here we have a wonderful reporter from a Japanese newspaper who's trying to you know, give her readers some perspective on how how the U.S. sees President Trump seven months in into office. So 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, how, how do you think the world should view President Trump? What sort of job do you think he's doing? Are you happy? Are you unhappy? Is this working out pretty much like you thought it would be? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage um, talk and text line. And again, keep in mind what, what you say is going to get reported, going to get reported halfway across the world. Uh, 414-799-1620, let's start with, um, Jody in Racine. Jody, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, first of all, I think it is exceptionally um, great perspective that the Japanese newspaper comes to middle America yep. to try to get the real story. That tells me that they know we're not really getting the true story through the mainstream media. Um, I'm convinced that there are way more people that support Trump than the media is letting us know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, how do you measure that? Like, like I say, um, Hiromi w- was pointing out, to, if you look at the different polls, you know, it, it shows, depending on what poll you look at, the president's approval rating is in the mid-30s or something. You don't think that's real? Do you think that the polls are just not accurate? I do not. I do not. Um, I, I think, you know, I've, I have went to college I've seen a lot of these polls, and and the difference between a poll and a scientific study uh, are two different worlds. You you can ask, you can form the questions any way you want to get the answer you want. So, I I, today, other than stations like yours or your show, I have a one percent chance of getting real news. Mm -hmm. I have I have the lowest opinion of. Uh, I, I think the, the worst part of this last election was the media has abandoned any semblance of objectivity. That's mm-hmm. that's the worst thing that happened in this last election. Yeah, the, essentially the idea that the media 
had decided that President that, that Donald Trump was unfit to be the president, and so everything that he does is bad. And so there's just so as a result of that, the reporting gets skewed. That's what you think is going on. Absolutely, it makes it okay to be an advocate as opposed to objectively reporting the news, and that's happened to a certain extent in the past. But this last election, it went full bore. They completely abandoned any objectivity whatsoever. Good enough. Jody, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with many more calls. Uh, again, we're joined by a reporter from one of the largest uh, newspapers in, in Japan who wants to know what you think about President Trump. So we'll be back with more calls in just a minute. It's 1016. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. <laughs> It's 1018, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We're doing something a little bit different this hour. As I said, I'm, I've been joined in the studio by uh, a reporter named Hiromi Nagano. She works for one of the three largest newspapers in Japan. She's based out of Los Angeles, but, but she's here um, because she wants to find out what you think about President Trump. I mean, she wants to, so she can pass that perspective on to you know her readers in Japan. Let's talk to uh, Carlos in Milwaukee. Carlos, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. How are we doing today? I'm very well. What What do you think? Um, again, you're, what, what you say is going to perhaps be carried back to people in Japan. What, what do you think about the job President Trump is doing? I will say he's doing a terrible job. Terrible job. And as a president, you know, he is so professional, I understand. He is one of the greatest people in the business. He proved that already. We don't have nothing, you know, no questions. But the professional people shouldn't ever be in that kind of races as he is. For me, being a Latino, and you can tell where we are now, so as a president, as a professional, he is, he should never be in that kind of races. So I will and I tell, I can tell this to her. I don't, I don't really like the fact that she's doing that. I mean, you don't really have to go to radio stations to find out. You can go to Israel, you can go to China, and they can tell you exactly what, what we think about Trump. Well, I mean, again, what, what, what we're doing here is, I, I call this sort of an electronic town hall. Um, and every once in a while, I think people need to come together and express their different positions. And um, this was one of the opportunities that you know people have to do that. Okay, terrible drop. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Ellen in Oconomowoc. Ellen, good morning. You're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Uh, I pop into uh, TMJ every so often when I'm driving in my car just to see what's going on. Uh, don't always. Most often, don't um, don't agree with your politics. Doesn't matter if we all agreed, life would be boring, right? Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then there is satellite radio. But anyway, uh, Trump, I, I cannot, I cannot stand the man. I think he was born in feeling he was entitled, and if you don't match up to what how he was brought up with his rich friends, you don't count. I think that he's above the law. Uh, he apparently has no grasp of civics. Back when I was in grade school taking civic lessons, the matter of checks and balances, he thinks the way I perceive it is that if he wants something, he should automatically get it because I, that's probably the way it's always been in his life. 
Would you? I'm just and, curious. Would uh, you have said the same thing about President Obama? Because um, President Obama issued a whole series. Well, his it, admittedly his style was different than President Trump's. He issued a whole series of executive. He got frustrated. He couldn't get what he wanted done in Congress. So there were all these various executive orders. I'm just going to do it my way. Would you say the same thing about him, or is his, or, or no? Uh, probably on some things, but I just can't stand the man so much. Mm-hmm. A man who has no respect for women, a man who has no respect for the way the Constitution is set up, the laws, the checks and balances, um, that, you know, I tried to keep an open mind when he took office, and some, certain things I just can't get past. Because I do feel he thinks he's above the law, and he can do whatever he darn well pleases. Is, would you say that your objections to President Trump, is it is it a matter of style? Um, and, and that's because that's what you're talking about. You, you, you don't like the arrogance, and you don't like that. Or th- does it also, does it bleed into policy, or is it, is it both? I think it's po- both. Okay. I think it's both. It started out with style, because, it, as I said, it's hard to respect a man who disrespects so many other people. Okay, good enough. Thanks. For, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I want to get to as many calls as we possibly can. Okay, 414-799-1620. Because one of the points that I have made, and people who are regular listeners know, is I, I see a distinction between style and substance. Um, and, and I try to make that distinction. I understand. Look, I, I'm a guy who wasn't on board you know, when President Trump was, was running for office, which isn't to say I was a Hillary Clinton supporter. I wasn't. But I, I, found, I found the style to be off-putting, um, the the attacks on the, the fellow candidates, the, the thin-skinnedness of, of things. And I, I kind of hoped that we wouldn't have seen that. Well, that, that obviously has continued, because I guess the reality is if this is who you are at 72 years old, you're not going to change. I've always tried to make a distinction, though, between style and substance. And, uh, I mean, candidly, I agree with President Trump on the substance of a lot of things. I think the style gets in the way. But I certainly don't agree with him on all things, including like what happened yesterday. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to uh, let's see uh, Annie in Glendale. Annie, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, I Hi, totally agree with the last caller. Um, I'm ashamed that he's our president. I'd like to think if you would have won, if you would have run on the Democratic ticket. I would never, I would have had enough integrity not to vote for him. Mm-hmm. I am just Why was it that you th- think he won? I mean, because again, the, the Donald have, Trump in he, office is no different than the Donald Trump who was running for election. But, why, why do you think he won? Inciting hate across America, in my opinion. And I have an elderly mother that lived through the Holocaust and he had to watch the Nazis in Charlottesville. That was just horrendous. I have no idea why he won. I certainly think he's inarticulate. Um, it's hard to believe that he went to college. Uh, his lack of integrity is just astounding and horrifying. Okay, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I actually, we, we have jam phone lines. And I'm, we're going to continue. This is what we're going to be doing for this hour because I think it's an interesting perspective. Um, on our text line, let's see, Bill from Burlington text, Trump is just fine. Housing is up. Jobs are up. The stock market is up overall. The silent majority spoke last fall. He'd get reelected again. All right, we continue with this in just a moment. It's 1025. 
It's 1027, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, we're doing something different this hour. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm joined by a reporter from uh, Manichi Newspapers, which was one of the largest newspapers in Japan. Her name is Hiromi Nagano, and, and she's been listening to the show today and actually listening to podcasts before that. And, and she's got questions about how middle America feels about President Trump. And, you know, just in, in general, we're, we're doing this as an electronic town hall, and we've had a diverge, diversity of opinions, which is good. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, um, let's see, James in West Dallas. James, good morning. Thanks for waiting. Yeah, uh, well, you're very welcome, and thanks for having me on the, sure. on the show here. So I, I think, you know, Trump came in with a very clear agenda, tax reform, uh, immigration, health care, um, and, and how many of those things has Congress, has Senate allowed him to actually accomplish? We've got a lot of Republicans to blame for this, um, a lot of tactics, political tactics being used to stymie his agenda, which everybody that voted for him was expecting, uh, you know, the, the houses to back him up. You know, how many years did we hear Repeal Obamacare, repeal Obamacare, and now here comes their golden opportunity. We gave them the Senate, we gave them the Congress, now we gave them the White House, mm-hmm. and they can't get it done. So, what, so what is your it's big, not his fault. What is your biggest disappointment? What What is the number one thing that you would have hoped would have been done by now, given in the first 200 days of the Trump administration that hasn't been done? I recognize health care was a big first task. Um, I think, actually, it's it's tax reform. Um, I, I think by now we could have had something taken care of. Um, I appreciate the the language on immigration. I, th- I think that's helped out tremendously. Uh, our borders are even more secure than they've been in the last, you know, 12, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And no wall has been built. I understand plans are still underway for that. But, yeah, my biggest disappointment, I think, is, is moving along on, on tax reform, mm-hmm. um, health care, you know, it's a sticky, sticky right. wicket there. Okay, good enough. Thanks for the call. Now, of course, if you, you know, when, when I've talked to Paul Ryan and Glenn Grothman and Ron Johnson in the U.S. Senate, everybody is still optimistic that they think they're going to get something done with regard to tax reform by the end of the year. I will tell you, I, I think the chances of that happening are substantially diminished after what President Trump did yesterday when he decided to reach across the aisle and issue a continuing resolution to keep the government running um, at, at the bequest of the, the of the Democrats, as opposed to trying to force the issue to get a budget done sooner. Um, let's see. Um, Claire in Delafield sends me a text. I'm fine with Trump. I did vote for him, but give him a chance. He doesn't even have one year under his belt. Okay, we're going to continue this for at least one more segment. Again, I, I want to what kind of job is President Trump doing? Is the media in part to blame to the extent that people don't like him? Um, this is your opportunity to sound off, and um, some of you views I know might be carried uh, halfway across the world. It's 1031. It's 1035, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, we're doing something a little bit different. I, I, I get requests all the time from reporters to sit in and watch the show or to, to film parts of the show, and I almost always say no. This was a request we got a number of weeks ago from um, the Manichi Newspapers, which is the third largest newspaper in Japan. And they said, hey, can we have one of our reporters come and, and, and actually sit in and talk a little bit about and hear feedback from a, a Midwestern audience on, on how President Trump is doing? And I, I was so 
intrigued by that that I, I said yes. And so we're joined in the studio today by Hiromi Nagano. And again, welcome. Hi, this is Hiromi. I'm a reporter with Japanese newspaper, the Mainichi. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Hey, okay, uh, we, we've been hearing our audience. Let, let, me ask you a, let me ask you a question. What, how, how is President Trump viewed in Japan? Well, actually, first of all, we were very surprised when he was elected. Right. And one, because uh, every poll saw that he would lose. And two, uh, well, he was uh, he's so controversial. Right. So now we try to understand why he was elected and he, what he's going to do. Okay, good enough. Let me ask you another question before we go back to our calls. I talked to this about uh, off the air. Uh, North Korea, mm-hmm. um, missiles mm-hmm. over Japan. Mm-hmm. I, scary time over there? Yeah, we are very nervous, but I think the North Korea's purpose is that uh, they want to pay attention to them. Right. So I think it's important we should calm down. But we, uh, in the same time, we have to show them, well, nuclear weapon is not a good solve, solve the problem, anything. Interesting. Okay, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. So we're we're having a discussion about the the first two hundred days of of Donald Trump to help help enlighten people across the world. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Denise in Lake Geneva. Denise, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Okay, what kind of job is President Trump doing, and um, what do you want to see happen? Um, you know, I, I voted for Obama. So I guess I would be an independent. It's all about doing what you think is right for your country. And um, I think he's been doing a good job. I think he has limited communication skills, but I really do believe in all the decisions that he's making. He's doing what he believes is the best for the United States. And um, unlike politicians who are politically correct or always trying to appease everyone so that they continue to be reelected, I think President Trump is, um, even if it's a difficult decision, doing what he thinks is the very best for the country, even making a, um, an agreement with the Democrats like he did yesterday. When you say very- limited communication skills, what, what, what are you referring to? <laughs> the, the, the quick to anger, the thin skin stuff? What, what, are you, what are you thinking of when you say that? Okay, I think he's a smart man, but sometimes I think he has the vocabulary of an eighth grader. Um, <laughs> when you listen to him, especially publicly, it's going to be very, very good, or it's going to be huge. Right. Um, this is so huge, right. <laughs> it's right. huge. Right. Um, so I think there's a lack of detail. I think the detail is there, um, and I don't know why he doesn't take time to be more detailed in his conversations with the public. Uh, lastly, I do think that it's been an eye-opening experience, but I do think that the um, media is very, very biased. I mean, even when something good happens that you've seen on a smaller network, it will never be covered on the majors. So, and I don't understand why that needs to be that way. Well, I, thanks. You, you raise a really interesting point there. And, and as somebody, and I, I have staked out this position, and I understand by doing this, I, I irritate a lot of people, but th- that's okay. That I, I, I'm trying to be pragmatic about this. Um, there are... There are all sorts of aspects of Donald Trump's style that I find to be off-putting, uh, and, and th- whether it's the personality or it's the lashing out or the thin-skinned stuff or the need to belittle your opponents or just the, the inability to let stuff go. I mean, you won the election, and I think that gets in the way of a, a lot of his policies because he, he ends up off-message so much 
that you know the, and then people get distracted you're looking at the bright shiny object instead of trying to concentrate on what really needs to be done um so i i, I have you know that's part of it at the same time i mean i think there's a, a lot of good policy stuff that that's in there so i mean i, I criticize the style and I, I i certainly wish somebody would take that phone away from him because i mean i think social media is a great way to communicate with people you can follow me on twitter now it's a uh, the second week of twitter we're back on twitter it's uh, jeff wagner 620 and jeff it's at jeff wagner 620 but and so it's a great way to communicate with people but at the same time you know, two thirty in the morning, sending out tweets saying that you've been wiretapped by your predecessor. That 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 steps on the message of the good stuff that you are trying to do. Okay, let us talk to. Um, we've got Mary in Grafton. Mary, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. I am so glad you have this your topic. Many people ask why I support Trump. I didn't at first. I really was torn between who I was going to vote for. Right, would you describe yourself as a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent? Uh, independent. Okay. I'm a conservative. Okay. What I voted for Trump is because he does have hope and change. He isn't a politician. He is a businessman. And just like the lady said before me, the politicians, they're trying to decide with everybody and then sometimes more one side or the other because it's who's going to back their campaign. Trump doesn't care about it. Yes, he doesn't talk very refined sometimes, and I think that gets him into a lot of trouble. But I do believe that he wants to make the world a better place. And yet the media, they never give him any credit for any good. And I remember the night that the election was held, Channel 12, George Stephanopoulos, and four or five other people on the panel, they were tongue-tied. They did not know what to say because everybody on their panel thought that Hillary was going to make it. And I don't understand the Hillary love or the Obama love. There was a lot of mistakes with those two. And Bill Clinton, I mean, he was the biggest sleaze for women. And yet some people want to idolize him. They all made mistakes. And even Obama had it in there. This bill with DACA is not going to be a permanent. It's going to be a temporary. And now everybody's Mm -hmm. jumping on the bandwagon and, and hollering at Trump about it. How much can the American people keep giving away? And if these people came in illegal, then I don't think they should get ahead of the line for the people who are trying to come here legally. Okay, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. You know, I, I mean, I, I do think about the, the media and the, the, the so-called mainstream media. And I, I mean, I've said this before. As somebody who, in order, so you don't have to. I mean, I, I, I read the New York Times I on a daily basis. I, I read the Washington Post. I, I will say this, and again, I believe President Trump, in many respects, is his own worst enemy. I, I've said that. I've said that before with the the texts and the the, the thin skin stuff and the lashing out. At the same time, as somebody who has been a political junkie since I was a teenager. I don't know that I have ever seen a president that has so much negative coverage. You, you, you pick up a, a newspaper and story, or you, you turn on some of the the TV shows. It, it, it's 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 just relentless. It's story after story, an editorial, a columnist, everybody who says you know he, he can't do anything right. And the truth of the matter is that you know sometimes. You know, people do stuff that's right. Some people do stuff that's wrong. But I, I do think that there, perhaps more than ever, there is this concentrated effort in the media to say, okay, we have decided that this man is unfit to be the president, so we're going to do everything we can to try to bring about, you know, regime change or or whatever to the point that the, the media hurts its credibility 
by the relentless negativity. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be criticized when he he does dumb things, or he shouldn't be criticized when you again take to Twitter and send you know um, again mixed messages, or where after you know what happened in Charlottesville. You you give, I thought, an outstanding speech on Monday that should have put to rest a lot of the concerns about whether you were racially insensitive. And then you go out Tuesday and you have this sort of spontaneous blow up where you get into screaming matches with the media. And, and yes, the, the media baits him, but but he takes the bait. So I, I understand in some respects he's his worst enemy. But as I often say, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that people aren't really out to get you. Let's talk to Mary in Brookfield. Mary, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, I did not vote for Trump. Uh, I've been a Republican my whole life. I'm going to be 65 because he's not a Republican. The only reason we got stuck with him was because the Democrats were not going to sell out Hillary for Trump. I was for Kasich. I did a write-in for Kasich. I just, I think the, the reason that Trump is so disliked is because he's not well-read. He doesn't know history. He's not articulate. He, his Twitter communications are irresponsible. He's not measured. And I, I just fear for the, the world peace, foreign policy. He lies often. I don't trust him. Mm-hmm. Any fifth grader can read off a teleprompter. But when he's on his own and he doesn't have somebody there who wrote his speech for him and coaching him, you see the true man. And I am praying that he gets impeached because we have so many good people that could be running this country every day it's a soap opera because it's what trump says and does he didn't get the popular vote so for the people in japan i think most people didn't vote for him because they could see who he truly was i mean he played his hand throughout the primary yeah but at the same time he he won i mean you know that the the, i mean we we elect people not by the popular vote we elect people through the electoral college and and i mean he did win you're not suggesting this is not a legitimate presidency are you i think he won hitler won a lot of people that are were horrible leaders won their elections Mm -hmm. i don't think that has anything to do with it I kind of feel like Kasich, and I'm already working on a Kasich eventual campaign, donating money, getting his newsletters. What he said, I think, is very smart. He didn't even show up for the Republican convention in his own state. That shows leadership. He has true courage. He doesn't walk around like Ryan behind Trump like a puppy dog. He has said, I will do anything I can. I have, you know, I've run a successful state. I've got information for the Congress on some some really good health insurance if they're interested. I want to help Trump because, unfortunately, he's our president, and we're all on the same airplane. Mm-hmm. I would rather be on his side supporting him as a pilot because if he goes down and horrible things happen in the world, we all go down. So from that perspective, I support him, but I, I'm frightened for him. I keep waiting for him. People go, oh, he'll change. No, he is a narcissist. No, you're 72. Well, well, you're 72 years old. You're not going to no, change. No, I'm 65. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's, se- no, no, oh, he, he's seven. No, he's no, he's 72. And yeah. and you're you're not. You're, you, I, my guess is by the time if uh, when you get to 72, you are what you are. <laughs> that would that's kind of exactly. I, you know, and that's why it's so sad that we have him as our president. He's you, not okay, a leader. Let me ask you this. Um, if he all right, let let us flat f- fast forward. Instead of September 2017, it is now um, September of 2020. If he wants to be the Republican nominee, if he runs again, do you think he gets the Republican nomination? 
You know, it's hard to predict. I think a lot happens, you know, what sure. happens in the world, what happens with the economy, what happens with jobs. The last thing he pulled, siding with the Democrats, even Paul Ryan's pulling his hair out, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not the Republican, you know, he's not going to side with the Republican. He doesn't care about the Republican Party. He used them to get into this position of power and control. Um, I... Too much can happen. Okay, fair, I no, really fair enough. don't know. No, no fair, th- thanks for calling, Mary. And, I, and that, that, by the way, that's not a cop out. I was, I said, I was at this event yesterday, and what, one of the questions I get in public a lot is, what, what's going to happen in the, the midterm elections? What's going to happen in November of two thousand eighteen? And my my response is, well, I could tell you what I think, but the truth of the matter is. You know, 14 months before the election, who knows? I mean, seriously, for, in September of 2015, you know, would, would anybody have seriously thought that, um, you know, Donald Trump was number one? You know, Donald Trump was, was going to be the Republican nominee, and number two, that Donald Trump was going to win the election? I mean, it, we have a very, very volatile electorate, and um, anybody who thinks for certain that they know what's going to happen, I know a lot of pundits say they think it's going to be a bloodbath for the Republicans in November of 2018. I'm not convinced of, of that at, at all. Um, uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that remains uh, to be seen as according to what happens. All right, we're going to do this for one more segment. Try to get a couple more calls. It's 1049. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1053, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We're wrapping up what has been, in my opinion, a fascinating uh, hour. I, I've been joined by Hiromi Nagano, who is a reporter for the third largest newspaper in Japan. It's been around since 1870. And, and she's here because she wants to hear what middle America, mainstream America, what you think about uh, President Trump. Let's talk to, um, let's see, uh, let's go to another Mary, three Marys in a row, Mary in Menominee Falls. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Mary. The silent majority voted for a businessman to be put into place. We did not vote for another politician. We've given them over 200 years to fix things. Nothing's happened. We need a businessman. That's what Trump is doing. Mm-hmm. I absolutely want him to quit his Twitter. <laughs> Would love for that to happen. Right. But I think he is doing what we asked him to do if the media would leave him alone. And I also believe that all these people complaining about them, who's complaining about their 401ks, all their pensions, all their stocks? Nobody. Right. Well, the the economy, there's no question. I mean, the, the economy has been booming this year. I mean, the stock market, the stock market is, is up. And to the extent that people are invested in the stock market, you, you've been making a lot of money on paper. No question about that. Yes. So. Uh, that's, okay, uh, that's my position. I appreciate the perspective. Thank you, Mary. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Brian in New Berlin. Brian, good morning. Uh, good morning, Jeff. What do I you think? I'd like to uh, echo uh, this last Mary's uh, comments. Um, Pre- President Trump ran as a businessman. He wanted to run the country like a business. The problem he's running into is the politicians in Congress who make promises to get elected, elected, and then they do not follow through mm-hmm. on those promises. Right. So you think the problem is not with President Trump. It's with the fact that he's, he's got to deal with the bureaucracy and there's people who've been blocking him. Uh, yeah, a good example is the uh, health care reform. All of our senators and congressmen ran on the promise of 
repealing and replacing health care, mm-hmm. Obamacare. Right. And when they had a chance to do so, they would not follow through. Right. So, right, and that's, and thanks for going, which, of course, has been, I mean, that's one of the ongoing, you know, frustrations that are there. I, um, I, I guess, um, you know, as we wrap this up, uh, at least for for this hour, you know, Hiromi, want you click on your microphone there for a second. It's all right. So tell me, you find this to be fascinating? Listening to what people think? Yeah, it was very fascinating. I heard uh, different opinions, and uh, especially, I mean, in Los Angeles. So it was <laughs> great to hear from uh, them. Thank you so much. I appreciate. Oh, you're 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 very you're very very welcome. How are you finding? Mo- now you just got into Milwaukee last night, so you really haven't had a chance to spend much time here. Uh, but uh, still, I find that the people are so kind here and so warm. So I am, you know, I want to visit again here. All right. Well, you are you are welcome anytime. Thank so you. thanks for joining us, and Thank uh, you very much. Uh, my my pleasure. All right. Um, when we come back, um, Ed Flynn weighs in on his police pursuit policy. We're going to talk about that. What do we do about Americans in North Korea, the streetcar, and Pop Culture Corner? It's all coming up. It's 1057. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1109. This is Jeff Wagner. We're so very glad to have you with us today. Okay, uh, Pop Culture Corner comes up at 1135. Tomorrow morning at 835, I'm going to be joined by Leah Vukmir. I know she's announcing today. She's announced today that she's running for U.S. Senate, and I know she's making the rounds of different radio talk shows. Um, we had the other announced challenger, Republican challenger, Kevin Nicholson, on. When he announced, we will have Leah on tomorrow morning at 835. And I guess I, I have a couple questions. Um, why does she think she's best suited to represent the Republican Party? What is her plan to uh, beat Tammy Baldwin? And candidly, I, I think I think that's going to be a challenge. There's a piece in the paper today talking about how you've you got to go back to the mid-1950s to find the last time Wisconsin had two Republican senators. Um, I, I don't think it's an insurmountable thing, but I want to know why Leah thinks that she's the person to do that. All right, so that's coming up. In addition, um, I, I, I was going to try to squeeze this in this hour, but... I have made this decision that I'm going to wait. Chief Flynn, Ed Flynn, who I have been very critical of, who candidly, I think, I believe it's probably time for him to to move on to whatever his next endeavor is going to be. Um, Ed Flynn was directed by his bosses, which are the Fire and Police Commission, to change his policy regarding Milwaukee police officer chases. We've talked about this before, but... um, The policy that was implemented by Ed Flynn with the blessing of the mayor in 2010 is just not working. Essentially, the policy now says that if somebody runs from you, you let them go unless you have probable cause to believe that they have committed a a one of a category of felonies. And the problem, of course, is most times the police don't know why it is that that folks are running from them. I I swear, true story, I was talking to somebody yesterday in law enforcement who was just saying how frustrated 
um, that person is because the bad guys nowadays in Milwaukee all know about Ed Flynn's policy to the point that you know normally if, if you're driving down the street and you see a police car, what is your first reaction? Well, you, 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 you look at the speedometer. You slow down automatically. When, what this guy was telling me yesterday, who has firsthand experience with this, he was saying now the bad guys know that you can just drive by the cops at high rates of speed and you, you don't have to stop because they are not going to be allowed to follow you. Because, of course, the problem is most times police officers don't know why it is that somebody is running. You see a car that drives past you at 70 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. They put on the bubble lights to try to pull you over, and instead of pulling over, the car takes off. Well, they don't know why it is that the car is taking off. They don't know if the person isn't paying attention. They don't know if the person's got a body in the trunk. You just don't know. And the effect of the policy that is implemented in 2010, without regard for why they thought they needed to do it, it it doesn't work in 2017. So the Fire and Police Commission uh, told Ed Flynn, essentially, we want this changed. Um, We want it liberalized. Um, Ed Flynn who doesn't believe that he can do anything wrong. Um, People complain about the arrogance of Donald Trump. Well, you can make that same argument about the police chief. He said he needed 30 days to study it. He's now out with his response to the Fire and Police Commission. They're meeting tonight. Um, I have in my hands the directive and what he has proposed. He doesn't want to go as far as the Fire and Police Commission directed him to go, but he's got a, a policy that appears to allow officers to chase in more circumstances, but in, in all honesty, I need 30 minutes or an hour to kind of go through it and see exactly what it means. I, 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 don't, I don't want to either criticize this or endorse it without exactly seeing what he says. Um, and one part of the policy says officers can chase if the necessity of immediate apprehension outweighs the level of danger created by the vehicle pursuit. As in the case, as in the case of a vehicle engaged in reckless driving. Okay, I, I got to really read and think about that section because if it means, and if you've got a car that drives past you at ninety miles an hour and doesn't stop, that you can chase that car as long as it's not going to put other people in too much danger. Okay, I, I'm okay with that. But I just before I judge this one way or the other, I want to have an opportunity to really sit down and read it and think about it. And we'll be talking about this. I guarantee you it's going to be one of our three big things for tomorrow morning. So tune in. All right. I, I want to switch gears, but it, but stay with our police-related topics. Michael Bennett, BD, who's producing the show today. You know who Michael Bennett is, right? Star football player, defensive end for the Seattle Seahawks. His brother, Martellus, is the new starting tight end for the Green Bay Packers. All right. Um, Michael Bennett is in the news. He apparently attended the big fight in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago between Colin uh, Connor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Um, he has now sent out a, a tweet talking about something that he alleged alleged happened to him um, back at the end of August. Now, here, here's what the tweet essentially says. It says, on Saturday, August 26th, I was in Las Vegas to attend the Mayweather-McGregor fight on my day off. After the fight, while heading back to my hotel, um, several hundred people heard what sounded like gunshots. Like many of those people in the area, I ran away from the sound looking for safety. Las Vegas police officers singled me out 
and pointed their guns at me for doing nothing more than simply being a black man in the wrong place at the wrong time. A police officer directed me to get on the ground as I laid on the ground, complying with his commands to not move. He placed a gun near my head and warned me that if I moved, um, he would blow my blanking head off. Terrified and confused by what was taking place, a second officer came over and forcefully jammed his knee into my back, making it difficult for me to breathe. They then um, cuffed, uh, crunched handcuffs on my wrists. Uh, my hand was numb. The officer's excessive use of force was unbearable. I felt helpless as I lay there on the ground, handcuffed, um, facing the real-life threat of being killed. Of being killed. All I could think was, I'm going to die for no other reasons than I am black, and my skin color is somehow a threat. My life flashed in front of me, etc., etc. So, so it goes on. So he says, I, I'm there. All of a sudden, um, I, I am singled out. Well, okay, the police are, are responding to this. And what the police are saying is that there's this large group of people, and, it, and I have been in Vegas on many occasions after like one of these fights lets out. And what happens is you have thousands of, of people who are suddenly kind of like pouring out into the hotels or pouring out into into the streets. So you have chaotic scenes um, that, that are there. Um, the police, for their part, say they are investigating, but that Bennett failed to stop for officers searching a crowded casino for what they believe to be an active shooter. Um, the police chief says, okay, well, there's, we, we've, got, we've got an officer that was on the scene. There's this lengthy body camera um, as, we're, as we're searching the casino because there was a report of shots fired. Now, as it turns out, it wasn't a shot that was fired. What happened is somebody knocked over one of these standards that is holding up a velvet rope, and it talked. It sounded like a shot, but nobody knows that. People in the casino, it, it's panic. Um, there's a report that there's a shooter. turned out not to be, but, but they're looking. Um, so they've got a long video clip from one of the body cameras, um, and, and Bennett does show up at the very end of the clip being handcuffed as he lies, lays prone um, in the traffic lane on Las Vegas Boulevard. Um, his, his story is, I was singled out simply because I was a black man and this is what was done to me. Now, I, I will say this. There are, um, my guess is, they were, there are thousands of similarly situated black men who were probably in that casino or in that immediate area, and, and none of this happened to them. Well, in any event, the social media is just exploding. You, you have um, people talking about how, how racist the Las Vegas police officers are and how this had to be a, a cure, purely racial matter. All right, 414-799-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think it is way, 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 way too early to prejudge this matter simply on the social media account of Michael Bennett. Now, and, and here, here's why I say this. Is it possible that, you, you again, you've got a large group of people. My guess is there are as many African Americans as there are white people that are in this immediate crowd. And his argument, I was singled out. I was the one person they picked, and they put a gun to my head, and they put me down on the ground. There's no question that, that he was put down on the ground. 
But I guess this idea that they singled him out somehow in a sea of people, which I say I'm sure had a large number of African-Americans, raises a certain question in my mind as to what it was, if anything, that he did. So I want to be clear here. I am not necessarily siding with the police on this. But at the same time, I think it is way too early to make a judgment based on this guy's account alleging that there was something racial in this stop. My guess is there's something a lot more that happened because it's not like the police lined up every African-American male that was in this casino coming out of this concert um, and put them on the ground and stuck guns to their head. My guess is there is another side of this story, which is why I think it would be prudent to reserve judgment. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Are you convinced, based simply on this tweet from this football player, that he was singled out because he was a black man, and that's why the police reacted in this way? Let's start with Bob on the west side. Bob, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, I'm a police officer in Milwaukee, and the cops did what they had to do at that time. They were responding to a shot-fired call. And if what they're saying is true, that he didn't stop, and he and he, he admits he was running from the scene, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they had to take him into custody. And they didn't know if he was the shooter or not. So they had to they had to subdue him. They had to get him on the ground. They had to handcuff him. Now, look, I've never seen this guy. I don't know who he is. But he's obviously a big man if he plays in the NFL. When you put handcuffs on a large person, they do get tight because they, they're only so big. Right, and they do. Uh, they they can cut blood circulation off in your hand, but it's only for a short period of time until you can be secured, uh, and they can either adjust those cuffs or put a second cu- pair of cuffs. Okay, on but you. but but you're right. You, your basic sense on this, Bob, is that there, there was something that he did in the whole sea of people that were out there that caused the police to react in this fashion. Well, he he admitted that he's running from the scene. They said in their tweet that they told him to stop, and he didn't. They had no other choice. It's, it's, they don't know if this guy's the shooter. They don't know if he's armed. They don't know him. He doesn't know them. And that's, that's right. the job of a police officer in a, in a quick emergency situation like that. When things are going on, and you don't know what's happening exactly. You have to take control of the situation. And that's what they did. It doesn't, I've been in situations at shootings where people are running. It doesn't matter if they're white, black, Hispanic, men, women, children. If somebody's not listening to you at a shooting situation, it can come down to it's you or them, and you don't know. Right. You have to take control of the situation. Now, th- thanks for the call, Bob. I, I, again, I, I agree. I, this is one where... I just want to hear a lot more. Now, the police have a press conference where I think the police are probably pretty confident that that what they did was right. The, the, the body camera report, so far, the, the only body camera video that surfaced just shows the very end of it as the police are putting him on the ground. Um, Kevin and Cudahy sends me a text. I would really hold the brakes on this story. It may prove to be true, but it's odd that all the people of all the people to be detained, it happens to be Bennett, who um, has a very large anti-police agenda, as proven by his anthem protest? Um, I just, yeah, and again, I, I, I just there, there's something about this story that gives me pause. 
Uh, let's see. Jim texts. Gunshots. Running. Order to the ground. Police trying to figure out what happened. Um, wrong place. Wrong time. He plays football and he was roughed up. Let's let the police give their version. Rocky says the same thing. Rocky texts and says he was running. And again, this is and I understand that this has now become the anti-police mantra. Oh, you've got these racist police officers in Las Vegas. I am just telling you there are all sorts of aspects of this story that don't seem to hold up to me that I'm hearing from from the guy who is now complaining about this. I mean, bottom line is, again, maybe maybe he was the one black man in this crowd that was singled out. But uh, what I go back to is having been in these crowds after the big shows or after fights let up, I guarantee you that there's all sorts of people from all sorts of races. There's not an allegation that the police grabbed every or grabbed three dozen black guys and put them on 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 the ground and did this there was something that michael bennett did that attracted the attention of the police and if he says they're telling him to stop and he's running and he doesn't stop well okay that kind of explains it i'm look maybe more facts are going to come out i am just saying at this point in time I would be careful in rushing to judgment to either believe that Michael Bennett is a victim or that the police were engaged in some sort of racist activity. It's 1124. This is Jeff Wagner. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Darren on the east side. Darren, good morning. Hey, good Hi, uh, yeah, yeah, good topic. Um, here's the deal. I think you're right. The facts still have to be come out on this. Jeff, that is my only point on this. Yeah. Yeah, but I tell you what. I, the bottom line: this never be a story if, uh, if there if he wasn't an NFL player. And, and uh, to yes. think that this is an isolated case or crazy, it does happen. I live in the city of Milwaukee, and, and I understand. I'm a retired military. That a police officer has to take authority sometimes, and it takes aggressive force. But I do believe there's a lack of professionalism here. You can be authoritative and still be professional. And uh, why do you think it was that no nobody else, nobody white, nobody uh, Hispanic, nobody else black was stopped in this fashion? I mean, doesn't that tell you that he did something that nobody else did? Uh, I, you know what? You're right. We we have to find okay. out. But even if he did, even if he, I mean, maybe said something derogatory, a police officer has to be above that and maintain it. A level of professionalism. It does, okay. you know. I mean, that's that, you know. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I get that. I, I guess, in, and if, if what you're referring to is. Um, like according to Bennett, he says one of the police officers was using a word I can't say on the radio. You know, you know, like it was using the F word. Um, and and I, I I would agree under those circumstances. I guess I'm more concerned with the stop in the first place, and, and that's what I want to know. What was it that happened that caused the police to? apprehend the man and put him down on the ground in this fashion was it was because he was a a six foot four inch 280 pound black man that was running or was it because he was the guy that was fleeing after the police think that there's shots that are fired i'm just saying i this is one i think we would all be best reserving judgment on it's 1128 jeff wagner 620 wtmj It's 
1130 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. It has been a fun show today. Uh, we've been joined all day by Hiromi Nagano, who is a uh, correspondent from uh, the Manichi Newspapers, which is uh, the oldest national daily newspaper in Japan. And she's been taking in American talk radio. And actually, we spent the 10 o'clock hour talking about people's reactions to President Trump. So it's been a lot of fun. All right. This is the time of the week. We do this this time, last segment or two of the program on Thursdays, we kind of put aside the heavy lifting. We stop talking about politics and police chases and crime and just have a little bit of fun to kind of get us started for the weekend. We also live stream this on Facebook Live. So in addition to our text line and in addition to Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620. And in addition to email, you can now also communicate with us as we live stream on Facebook. It's uh, Just go to facebook.com slash 620. All right, so here's what we are going to talk about today. This is one of my favorite times of the year because you have the interlap, the overlap of, of, uh, of different athletic seasons. Um, you've got the Brewers, for example. Baseball is heating up. It's September baseball, um, and the last three games notwithstanding, the Brewers still have a chance to you know, get in the playoffs. They are playing meaningful games in September. How cool is that? Of course, you've got the Green Bay Packers. Their season starts with a game against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. You've got you know, the NBA basketball training camps that are going to be starting in the next few weeks. You've got college basketball that's going to be kicking off in the next 30 to 60 days. You've got all sorts of things going on. And I understand a lot of us are sports fans. Now, if you can't get out to a game, there, there's no better way to take it in than to, again, listen to, for example, if you can't get out to the Packer game, there's no better way to listen to the, to take in the game other than listening to it, listening to the call from Wayne and Larry here on 620 WTMJ. Um, maybe you, you like to watch the games instead. But the truth of the matter is there's nothing like being at a live sporting event. You never know when you're going to see something special. And in honor of the start of the Packers season, recognition of the baseball season continuing, the various overlap of sports, I I thought for Pop Culture Corner today, we would take a walk down memory lane and let you weigh in on the best sporting event that you have ever attended. Now, when I say best, I'm going to allow you to define that. The most memorable sporting event that you have uh, attended. Um, maybe it was because, hey, you were there when Robin Yount had his 3,000th hit. Maybe it was, hey, I, I was at the Super Bowl that the Packers won in Dallas. Maybe it was, I was at the Ice Bowl. Everybody claims to have been at the Ice Bowl, but, you know, only a few people were. What what was, maybe it was, I went to the Indy 500, and it was incredible. Maybe, hey, I got a chance to see the Masters a few years ago. The most memorable and you can define memorable however you want, live sporting event that you have ever been to. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, as I always advise people, try to call early because our phone lines tend to uh, jam up. And, you know, don't overthink it. I mean, when I when I throw out the topic, hey, what, what's, the, what's the best sporting event you ever went to? Um, maybe it's a college game. Maybe it's the Rose Bowl, whatever. You know, whatever comes to your mind, generally speaking, I always say it's best to go with your first instinct. Okay, I'm going to take a very quick break. Then when we come back, we're going to take as many calls as we possibly can. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back with your calls in just a minute. It's Pop Culture Corner. 
It's 1146. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, favorite live sporting event ever. we got jam phone lines. I'm going to try to get through as many calls as I possibly can. Dave in Greendale. Dave, good morning. Yes, uh, my buddy and I decided to go to the Rose Bowl 1994. We took, took my motor home and left. We didn't even have tickets. We were driving out there. We had T-shirts in the windows. People passed us on the freeway with thumbs up. Yeah. And uh, we we went down to Santa Monica Pier for the pep rally. They drank them out of beer that night. <laughs> drank them out of beer. And Go Wisconsin. You, <laughs> you could see the floats being built, and then they, they paraded the floats the one day, and then we went up and stood on a corner at the Rose Bowl, and, uh, and then we went to a, a tailgate party that Abbeyland Bratz put on, and, uh, Very cool. Okay, thanks. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. I want to get to as many calls as I possibly can. Um, ben in Wauwatosa. Ben, you're on 620 Hi. WTMJ. Hello. Hey. So um, it was the year after the Packers won the Super Bowl, and uh, me and four of my friends got really good um, goal line seats um, uh, for the Christmas Day game against the Bears. Okay. And uh, Rodgers threw a beautiful pass to James Jones, and uh, me and my friends were all dressed up. I was a green and gold Rudolph. There's a green and gold <laughs> Santa Claus, you know, all the all the festivities. And uh, James Jones caught my, caught, caught my eye and ran right towards me, jumped right in my arms. It was the greatest thing So you were actually a – you were in the middle of a Lambeau leap, huh? Yeah, I was, he jumped literally in my lap. And yeah, after the game, we went on the Internet and looked at all the pictures and stuff. I was on the front cover of ESPN.com, all of those things. Better to receive, and my big smile and Rudolph face with James Jones. Now, see, thing right. that, that, see, that 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 is very cool. I mean, actually, Jay Sorge is one of our digital directors, and you hear him, one of the sports guys. He said, okay, wh- you know, what would yours be, Jeff? And I said, well, it's. Um, I, I think still, I mean, I was at the Super Bowl in Dallas. That was amazing, just absolutely amazing. Um, I, I think to me still, it, it's the Game 5 in 1982 when the Brewers came back, won three in a row again at County, the old County Stadium over the California Angels to go to the World Series. That Game 5 still probably is the one that sticks in my mind the most. I am, though, really glad I got a chance to go to uh, the Super Bowl as well. Hope I get a chance to go to another Super Bowl, maybe in Minneapolis this year. Michael in Sheboygan. Michael, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Michael. Yes, um, I was at the Ice Bowl. Okay, you really were. You know that there's 2 million people that say they were at the Ice Bowl. <laughs> okay, but I have two other people. My my father, my brother, and my sister-in-law and I all went to the game. Okay. My father passed away uh, 25 years ago, but my brother, I'm 70, my brother's 75, and his wife is... Um, uh, do, 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 79. Okay. So we're still all around, and we can all testify <laughs> it. No one would take off their gloves to pour the hot chocolate. Right. Until <laughs> so we got back to the car, and my dad gave me some electric socks that came out, and about the third quarter when the Packers got behind, I had battery failure. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so what, what's the purpose of having them if they're going to screw up, huh? Yeah, well, one of the other things, well, we didn't have alkali batteries, and that was the problem. But um, the coolest thing is being, wherever I've been and somebody's talking about the Packers, I say, I'm going to let you shake hands with a guy who was <laughs> at the Ice Bowl. And I was on a cruise ship last year when the Packers were playing in, in one of the playoffs, and they came back at the end. And there, half the people in the bar were Packer fans, and it was a great time. But any other time that somebody's talking about the Packers, I said, Here's a chance to shake your hand, shake the hand of somebody who was at the ice bowl. It, that, that's incredible. You know, it's funny. I was the first Packers game I went to. I didn't go to the ice bowl. I, I was a kid, and my father. We, we had just 
we had just moved to Milwaukee. Um, we hadn't been in Milwaukee that long, and my father somehow got a ticket for me to go the week before when they had the playoff games against the Los Angeles Rams, and, and he didn't even go. He he shipped me off with like somebody he knew from work or something like that. But, I mean, I can remember being in the right field bleachers at County Stadium, which was the end zone, and uh, watching the Packers win then. It was, it, it was a lot of fun. Let's talk to Fred on the east side. Fred, you're on 620 WTMJ. Yeah, I went to the the first Super Bowl, which was considered back then, it was the World Championship, right? At the LA Coliseum, and the place was only half full, both in right. Both both end zones were uh, empty, right? Did, did you? I mean, did did you did you travel? Were you out there at the time, or did you I travel there? Cal- I had moved to California okay. in uh, December of '66. Uh, okay, and then we went to the game there. The only disappointing thing that I have to say about it was. They don't serve beer at the stadium. <laughs> and coming from Milwaukee, they serve beer at everything. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, no, that would work for me. Okay, let's go to our uh, text line. I saw a walk-off home run by Hank Aaron at County Stadium. I might have been his last home run, but I can't verify that. I was in the seats in the lower section by the left field area, and the ball actually left the ballpark into the parking area. It was um, awesome. Um, let's see, here's another text. World Cup games... Three in Japan in 2002 and six games in Germany in 2006. I have never been to a – over the last couple of years, I can't explain why, but I've gotten into the English Premier League soccer. I, I would I would love to go to a couple of those stadiums. Just the, the atmosphere just looks so incredible, just so absolutely incredible. Let's talk to Carl on the east side. Carl, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. Uh, no doubt about it, the 1987 Easter Sunday Brewers game. That was the Dale Swaim home run. The Dale Swaim home run. Right. Well, the Rob Deere home run, we were up in the 30th row in the bleachers. It was my girlfriend's first Major League Baseball game she'd ever been to. Okay. For one thing. I swear his home run was coming right at us. And it carried <laughs> like 20, 20 rows past us when Deere hit the run. And then Swaim hit the run to build a home run to win the game the crowd was just nuts uh-huh. hey what and happened to the girl what happened to the girlfriend did did uh did you guys stay together uh no we, <laughs> we went our different ways we okay. amicably it was not no no okay okay no thanks for calling no I, I just i just i appreciate that i was just curious let's see on our text line the 2002 all-star game at miller park that ended in a tie i was seated near enough to bud sealy to see the disbelief on his face as the umpires tried to explain that there were no pitchers left um I actually saw Mr. Seelig. Uh, I've seen him twice in the last couple of weeks, and um, we've talked about a number of things. Next time I run into him, I, I will kind of ask him about that All Star game. That was one that that was one for the ages as well. Uh, let's talk to Mike on the Northwest Side. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Hey, uh, pre- premature uh, congrats on your upcoming wedding. Thank you. Uh, I was at a uh, Cleveland Indians Brewers game in the 1970s, where I actually visited. Saw, witnessed a triple play. I was behind home plate. My boss gave me tickets behind home plate. So I was behind the fence and under the netting where you could see the pitches coming in. Okay. And there aren't, there aren't too many triple plays in baseball. And uh, Right. I've never, seen, I've never seen one in person either. Never have. It was incredible. Uh, oh. Something to see. Very cool. Okay. I'm sorry. I wish we had a lot more time. Jam phone lines and all sorts of people sending in our text line on Facebook Live. 
you can continue the conversation going. Um, we, we do live stream on Facebook, and you can watch the replay of that. But I, I am out of time. Um, thanks. This has been a little bit of a different show, but it's been a very fun show, and I greatly appreciate everything. And it's been my pleasure once again to host Hiromi Nagano from uh, the Manichi Newspapers in Japan. And so... Well, uh, you, you 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 will you will send me an email once you write this story. So we'll see what you're writing about us. Yeah, she she promised me. Sure, we'll we'll share that. You can also follow me on Twitter. It's Jeff Wagner six twenty. 